Journey, I am so glad that you are here today. It's a little bit different gathering. It is our baptism celebration, but if you are new or newer around Journey, I'm especially glad that you're here today. Because when you see what people celebrate, what it, what it is that they clap for in this life, it tells you what really they value, what really matters to them. And what matters to us around here is that people would find new life through the living water of Jesus. We see in the book of Luke in chapter 15, Jesus three times tells three different parables about a lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. And they all came home. They all were found. And the end of every one of those parables ends in a party. It ends in celebration. It says there is more rejoicing in heaven over one, one that comes home than anywhere else or anything else. And so that's what we're gonna do today. We are going to celebrate. You are gonna hear the stories of people share about how Jesus has changed their life. And here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna replicate what is happening in heaven. We're gonna celebrate the way they are celebrating in heaven. So when people come up out of the water today, what we're gonna do is we are gonna yell and shout like nobody's business. We are gonna do that. We are gonna celebrate together because heaven is celebrating. But I've got a question and I'm going to throw it out at the very beginning because I want you to think about this throughout this message today, throughout our time together. Is today your day? Is now your time? Is it time for you to reach out and grab the living water of Jesus? And maybe you've done that in your life, but you've never gone public with your faith. And we believe around here that our decision to say yes to Jesus, to put our faith in him, to put our trust in him and his death, burial, and resurrection to new life, to put our faith in that on our behalf is a very personal thing. But the scriptures tell us that it was never intended to be a very private thing. And that's why we do what we do around baptisms. We celebrate with our spiritual family. And here's the question that I'm going to ask you again. Ask God today. Is today your day? And you're thinking, well, this was not on my agenda, getting baptized today when I showed up at Journey Church. But maybe, just maybe, it was on God's agenda for you. And here's what we've seen over years of doing this, that the Holy Spirit is going to nudge and prompt and whisper and maybe tell you today is your day to go public with your faith. And here's what I want to ask you to do. If you sense that nudge, if you sense that prompting, if you sense that whisper, don't say no. Don't try to make an excuse. Don't try to say that there will be another time. Don't try to talk yourself out of it. If today is your day, make today your day. And I just want to let you know, you think, well, I didn't come ready for that. We've done everything for you. At the end of this gathering, as we start to hear the stories of other people, all you have to do is make your way over here to where that banner says baptism. We've got clothes for you to change into. We've got a baptism team that have an opportunity to pray with you and encourage you. Just ask yourself, Holy Spirit, is today my day? And here's why we celebrate this, because we believe with everything in us that new life in Jesus is what matters not only for this life, but for all of eternity. That's why our mission statement, we talk about together, together, all of us together, we lead people in becoming 
all in followers of Jesus. We always point people to Jesus. It's what we're about. And we're about that because we see that Jesus was about that. I wanna get to share with you a little bit today, a story from the life of Jesus, where we start to understand what are the things that he valued? What are the things that he saw? We're gonna be in John chapter four. If you've been around church, you know that this might be oftentimes referred to as the story of the Samaritan woman. But Jesus is traveling from Galilee and he ends up going through Samaria and he finds himself at Jacob's well. And it happens to be in the middle of the day and there's nobody there, but Jesus is thirsty. And here's what Jesus knows. The world is thirsty. The world around us is thirsty. Now, physically, we, we all get that. We understand what it feels like physically to be thirsty. We know what it's like when our, our mouth gets dry and our throat gets parched. That's why I have this up here, just in case, so I can have water if my throat starts to do that. We know what it's like. We've, we've had those hot days and those long workouts where everything that we, our body wants is just a cold drink of water. Well, Jesus is at a place in his life where he is thirsty. He needs a drink of water. And he finds himself at this well. A Samaritan woman shows up at this well to draw water. And Jesus does something interesting. He just simply asks her for a drink. John chapter four, starting in verse nine. Here's her response. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Put a pin in that comment from John. But Jesus answered, if you knew, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you, are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself as did his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever... Whoever, whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give will become in them, in them, a spring of water welling up to eternal life. One thing we know about Jesus is he is the master teacher. He's at this well and he's talking about physical thirst. But that's not what he wants this woman to understand. He wants to talk to her about spiritual thirst, soul thirst. Because like I said, we know what it's like to be physically thirsty when our mouth is dry and our throat is parched. But we probably know a little bit about being spiritually thirsty too. When our life feels dry, when our soul feels parched. 
Maybe you've had a season of your life where you've felt that way. Maybe you're in a season like that right now. And sometimes when I just have conversations with people, asking them about their spiritual life, it's a way that they describe it. I just feel dry. I just feel dry right now. And here's what Jesus knows, is that our souls get thirsty. And what we will try to do, we will try to chase anything, something, anything to try to fill the depths of the thirst that we feel in our soul. But the question is, will it satisfy? Will it satisfy? Well, this woman, here's Jesus talking about this living water that could well up in her to eternal life, and she bites. She bites. She says, I I want this living water. I want to never thirst again. But then Jesus, the master teacher, makes it personal to her. He wants her to understand the things that she is going after to try to quench her thirst. He just gives her a simple command. Go get your husband and come back. Simple request. But that request brings a lot of thoughts to her mind. She's got a past. She's got a history. And with all of this in her mind, she just simply says to Jesus, I have no husband. Her answer is so simple, but her life has been complex. Her life has been compromised. And Jesus knows it. His response to her is, he said, I know. I know you, not only do you not have a husband, I know that you have had five husbands. And I know the man that you are with right now is not your husband. I mean, he seems like Mr. Right, but he's just Mr. Right now. He's just one more person that you're trying to fill your soul with, that you think is gonna satisfy you. But then Jesus, so graciously, discreetly, but deliberately and directly tells her, you're going to the wrong well. You can keep chasing men. You can keep chasing relationships. It's never going to satisfy your soul. It's me. It's me, the living water. And what I can provide for you is the only thing that can satisfy your soul. Friends, here's what every one of us needs to understand. We are all, every one of us is just like the Samaritan woman. We're all trying to fill our souls with something. We're going after something. We're going after something to fill that dryness in our soul. We all have different wells. But I'll ask the question again, is it satisfying? I mean, you, you can choose a lot of things. She just happened to choose men, relationships. But we all choose something. Every one of us is gonna go after something in this life. Maybe it's money, possessions. Maybe it's reputation. Maybe it's comfort. I just want my life to be comfort. I just want to be in control in this life. Maybe it's about power. Maybe it's about reputation and approval in your life. What is it that is your well? What is it that you're chasing? And is it satisfying? Is it satisfying the deep places of your soul? Here's where the story, I believe, 
takes a turn. This should give incredible hope to every one of us that is sitting in this room, especially if we're in those places, like we all have been, where we're chasing things from a wrong well. Jesus offers living water to everyone. He offered living water to her, but Jesus offers living water to everyone. It's one of the main points of this story. Because if you were a first century audience and you were reading this story about this woman, there would be some shocking things to you. Because from the culture's perspective, this woman was the most unlikely candidate to be the recipient of this living water from a rabbi. She was on the wrong side. Friends, she was on the wrong side of every line that the culture drew. She was a Samaritan. And I told you earlier, put a pin in that comment. For Jews, don't even associate with Samaritans. They were considered the half-breeds, impure. They were the wrong ethnicity. A Jewish rabbi would never talk to someone from Samaria. But not only that, strike one, strike two. She was a woman in a patriarchal society. A male rabbi would never talk to a woman outside of his wife. But he's talking to her. He's crossing another barrier, another cultural barrier. But that was her strike too, a Samaritan and a woman. But not only was she a woman, she was morally compromised. Many commentators talk about the the reality that Jesus meets her at midday, and they're the only people there. Why was she there at midday? That wasn't when the women of those days went to the well. They went early in the morning and later in the evening when it was cool outside. But this woman went alone. She went alone because she didn't want to have to walk with all the other women and hear the gossips and the whispers about her life because everybody knew her story. Jesus knew her story. Three strikes and you're out. But yet at the same time, Jesus breaks every barrier to come to her. And John emphasizes this in verse 27 when the disciples come back. It says, just then his disciples returned and were surprised, to say the least, to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? They're all kind of looking. I mean, it's scandalous. What they're seeing is scandalous. But nobody wants to be the one that confronts Jesus. Okay, who's going to tell Jesus that he's doing something wrong? You know, let's, oh. <laughs> Who gets to do this? Peter, you always say stupid things. You get up there. <laughs> nobody wants to say anything. But everyone feels the weight of the moment. And that's what we need to feel. Jesus meets her. Jesus crosses every barrier to meet her. Out of bounds. Everybody knows it. But that's what makes this story so beautiful. See, the reason that they wouldn't associate is because they had this belief that if people that are unclean, that are on the wrong side of the tracks, if I move into their world, their uncleanness might get on my cleanness. And I can't do that. But Jesus turns that completely upside down. This is how he approaches life. He says, my 
cleanness, when I move in to the lives of people that need my cleanness, my cleanness makes their uncleanness clean. That's how Jesus sees the world. That's why he will break through every barrier to give people living water. Everyone, every one of us friends is a candidate for living water, whether you believe it or not. This is this woman's story. Jesus lets her know, I see into the deepest places of who you are. I see your deepest sin. I see your deepest shame. I see your deepest regrets. But I want you to know my grace can go deeper still. That's the message of the Samaritan woman. It doesn't matter how deep our brokenness goes. Jesus' love and his grace will go deeper still and he will reach out his hand to us and offer just like he did to her, living water that can change our life forever. Everyone is a candidate for living water. But then in my mind, this story takes one of the most amazing turns. And when I think about this last section, I want to maybe even specifically speak to people that maybe you've known Jesus for a long time. Maybe you've walked with him for great seasons of your life. Here's what I want us to see is this woman became an amazing spokesperson for living water, this compromised woman. And here's what you need to hear. If you've been walking with Jesus for a season, we point people to Jesus. If you know him, and when I say we, we that know him, we need to point people to Jesus. Here's what this woman, this compromised woman does. Verse 28. It says, then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? People heard this. He told you everything you ever did? Yes, everything. He knows it all. And he still offered me living water. Come and see a man. And they came out of the town and they made their way toward him. She points people to Jesus. Friends, if we know Jesus, we, we need to point people to Jesus, not to religion, not to church, not to some sort of code of conduct. We point people to Jesus. And she didn't know anything. She didn't talk about justification by faith to the people in Samaria. She didn't talk about progressive sanctification. She didn't talk about substitutionary atonement. She didn't talk about any of those things. All she said was, he knows everything. He knows everything about me. And he still offered me living water. I think he's the one. Come and see him. That's what we care about around here. If you come here every week, we're going to do the best job we can to point you to Jesus, not to religion, not to even being part of church and not to following rules. We're going to point you to Jesus because he is the living water. He's the only one 
that can fill those deep soul longings that we all feel. He's the only one. And she knew it, and she told people about it. She was willing to point people to Jesus. And friends, we do too. And they responded. Verse 39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I did. She just shared her story. Everything I've done, he knows it. And he reached out to me. Our stories matter. The reality that Jesus grabbed you and pulled you out and gave you living water, your story matters and you need to tell it. People need to be pointed to Jesus. And I will say this, one of the evidences actually that you have living water is that something happens in you and you want to communicate it to other people. When our lives have been changed by him, by this man, our life changes and we want to help other people change as well. We want to point others to Jesus because it's what Jesus thinks about day in and day out. That's why at the end of this story, he says to his disciples, he says, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have this saying, it's still four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look. Look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. If you know Jesus, do you see what he sees? He doesn't say, wait, you know, let, let, let's harvest down the road. He says, the harvest time is now. Do you see it? The fields are white for harvest. Do you see it in the, the places where you work, the places where you play, the places that you go to school, the people that are around you? The fields are are white for harvest. And that's why we get to celebrate what we celebrate today. We get to celebrate those stories. And you're gonna hear people tell those stories. And many of the times in these stories, they thank people who helped them come to know Jesus. And that's what Jesus is telling us. If you know me, be one of those that helps others come to know me. The fields are ripe for harvest. But what is true and what will always be true is that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. We need God to raise up laborers for the harvest. Here's my assignment. If you're here today and you know Jesus, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit this one word question. Who? Who? Holy Spirit, who is in my life? Who is around me? And it might be one person, even if it's just one. That's awesome. Maybe it's multiple people. But who? Who around me needs the living water of Jesus? And here's what I want to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to do this so many times over the next decade or two, however long God gives me here, is that when God puts someone on your heart, invest Invest time, invest energy, invest your story into their life, invest in them and invite them, invite them to come with you, to be a part of what we do around here. 
come be a part of pointing people to Jesus. We will do our best when people show up here with you to point them to Jesus. That's what we're about. But you need to invest and invite people to get along the journey with you. Who? Who is it for you? Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Be a laborer in the harvest. Maybe you're here today and you don't exactly know where you are with Jesus. Have I grabbed a hold of that living water? I don't know for sure. I'm gonna say it again. Maybe today is your day. If there's some kind of prompting in you, something that's stirring in you, maybe today is your day. At the very beginning of the book of Acts, as the Holy Spirit was moving in the lives of people, people were stirred. They felt those nudges and promptings and they asked Peter, what must we do? What must we do to be saved and receive this living water? And Peter made it so clear. Acts chapter 2, 38. He replied, repent. Repent just means to change your mind, to change the way that you're thinking, to change the well that you're going to in this life, to try to fill your soul thirst. Change, the, change your mind and then change your direction. Go to a different well. Come to the well of Jesus, the living water. Come to him today. And I'm gonna ask it again. Is today your day? Is now your time? If, if there's something going on in you, you may not even be able to explain it, but it's him. And he's saying, it's your time. Don't say no. Don't make an excuse. Don't wait till later. It's not four months till harvest. The harvest is ready today. Today is your day.